Mitch Trubisky plays like the man. Cody Parkey turns in a rough day at the office. And Kirk Cousins of the Mighty Vikings had better watch out. It's all coming up on this episode of Bear With Me. So for those of you who don't know, this is Bear With Me, a show where we're going to talk primarily about the Chicago Bears, but also talk about the NFL at large. I'm Robert Schmitz, your host, and let's get into it. The Bears took on the Detroit Lions yesterday and beat them soundly, 34-22 to at home, and we saw absolutely everything that we had ever needed to see out of Mitch Trubisky. The guy goes 23 for 30, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and racks up a quarterback rating of an astounding 148.6. And for those of you who don't know, that's about 10 points shy of perfect. He even adds a TD on the ground for good measure. Honestly, from what I could tell, he did pretty much anything that I could have ever expected him to do. I saw the kid make reads. I saw him make throws. I saw him understand the offense, check out of things at the line of scrimmage. And not only that, but he played against a defense that while it was definitely missing shutdown slay, it wasn't missing so much that it was an absolutely laughable defense. Hello, Tampa Bay. His mobility's gotten to the point where it's frankly pretty astounding. This kid can move in an unbelievable fashion. He's very, very shifty, he rolls really well, and he picks up yards on the ground if you leave him open. His quarterback draw was a thing of beauty, super well called by Matt Nagy, and I frankly hope we use it just a little more often, but obviously not enough to hurt him. He had some bullets like the one to Ben Broniker, and he had some big lofty throws like the ones to Allen Robinson, and throws in the middle uh, like the th- various throws to Miller, one hitting him in stride, and another one hitting him on a post route that he then turned into a touchdown that generally made the guy look like a legitimate quarterback. And for some of us, I mean, this feels like one of the first times we've really quote-unquote seen it from Mitch Trubisky. Uh, ex- I mean, that's if you don't count that Broncos preseason game last year. For those of you counting stats, uh, through nine games this season, our boy has amassed 2,304 yards through the air, 19 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. When you add rushing touchdowns and fumbles, he's got 21 touchdowns to nine total turnovers. And as a Bear fan, I'll take that every single day and twice on Sunday. We've had such absolutely putrid quarterbacking that I'll take somebody who can put the other players on the team in position to succeed over some bum that we just keep happening to find Cutler nonwithstanding. I know I've been hard on the old biscuit in the past, but it's days like yesterday that made him look like the star that we certainly hope he will be. I mean, even short term in a city where quarterbacks have just gone to die. This works for me. While I know over the last few years we've kind of seen this fad around the league where everybody's demanding that their quarterback look like an absolute legend like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, or the other quarterbacks therefore, I personally don't mind giving Mitch a little bit of time and honestly, if he keeps producing at this level, I'm not going to be too upset. He's trending for a 4,000-yard season that'd be the first by any Bear player ever, and if he could just consistently give us that with about one turnover a game and two touchdowns to match it I personally am going to be a happy bear especially given that Matt Nagy's offense is absolutely prolific we've got guys that are getting open in ways that we haven't seen in Chicago based on what I've seen just about forever 
And so as long as Mitch can get comfortable there, keep moving in the offense, use his legs, use his arm, uh, keep staying aggressive because he's pushing the ball downfield a lot. And early in the season, it didn't work at all. And now it's starting to click a little bit. I don't expect him to just explode to suddenly become the most accurate quarterback in the NFL, but I don't believe he has to for this offense to be good. Right now, we're looking at an offense that averages at around 29, 30 points a game, and that is so, so, so much better than the John Fox, Dow Danger Zone, Loggins offense that looked at about 17 points per game. So hats off to Nagy, hats off to Trubisky. This was a game for the books. Put that in there. Keep it. Pin it up on your wall if you need to. Everybody out there that's hating on Trubisky, keep it up. Apparently, he really, really likes it because every time you doubt him, he's coming back with just some massive game. So please, just go crazy on him this week because we're going to need Money Mitch in his full form when the Vikings come to town. Now, the one negative note that I will talk about when it comes to our offense has been this running game. And honestly, I don't personally know who to blame because Tariq Cohen, from what I can tell, has been outproducing uh, Jordan Howard on a per carry basis, but I don't actually know whose fault it is. It definitely comes across as if Nagy is looking for a very different runner, kind of a synergy between both Cohen and Howard, but obviously not every team has a Todd Gurley or Kareem Hunt, so we're making do with what we can. Jordan Howard it seems to have taken a major step back. I honestly can't tell whether it's him or not. But, uh, guys, I worry. I get the impression that Jordan Howard is a uniquely talented runner in his own blocking scheme and that we just aren't running one right now, that Nagy's offense doesn't function that way. And so Howard's vision is sort of getting undercut. He's not getting that first step in the time that he used to have and that he's used to having to make guys miss. I think it's starting to frustrate him, get to his head. He's out of his rhythm. I can't personally imagine how frustrating it has to be for an NFL player when they go from being a thousand yard season guy to being where Howard is, which is not trending well. If he keeps this up, he's going to end the season well under a thousand yards and even a yard per carry short of what he has done over his entire career. It's not been a good year for him. At least he's been good on short yardage situations. So we do have that that we can hold to him. But I don't know. I'd personally like to see more. I don't know who to blame. And I'll be watching and postulating just as much as everybody else. To segue to the other side of the ball now, the defense absolutely balled out today. Once again, forcing as many turnovers as they allowed touchdowns. They sacked Stafford six times, two of those from Khalil Mack, who's just playing on another level. Detroit came in with the 23rd ranked offense in terms of points, so they're not exactly great. But Matt Stafford is a very solid quarterback who's rarely gotten the help that he needed to be successful back there. Stafford's a guy with too many 4,000-yard seasons to ignore throwing the ball, so to see the Bears assault him like they did is a really big win for us. I know many in Detroit are attributing this loss, actually, to his to Stafford's poor stretch of late, but... Based on what I'm seeing, getting sacked 19 times in three games is probably enough to shuck any quarterback's confidence. And yes, you heard me right. Matthew Stafford, an NFL quarterback, has been sacked 19 times in three games, 16 times in his last two. I think back to Cutler's early March years, and for reference, Cutler, in that 2010 disaster season, got sacked 52 times in the entire year. So this is 19 times 
in three games. Absolutely appalling, if you ask me. One more word to Lions fans. Don't go down the Stafford isn't the guy road. Bad teams do that. Most QBs in the NFL play to the level of their team to some degree. And frankly, you're even seeing that with Rodgers this year in Green Bay. This Lions team doesn't have much of anyone, especially once Golden Tate got taken off the team. So expecting Stafford to quote unquote rise above it all like some kind of robot hero seems a little bit insane to me. He's easily the best quarterback you've ever had. So be careful of getting rid of him. Anyways, Chicago's had some trouble generating pressure lately, so it was really great to see six sacks and tight coverage from the defensive backs all day long. This team really looks like it could go somewhere. That said, the Bears have got to find experience quickly. By this, I mean that the team is winning off talent and ingenuity alone while making big mistakes in every single game so far. Whether it's Fuller dropping that interception against Green Bay, Trubisky throwing that awful interception against the Dolphins, not to mention Cohen and Howard's fumbles during that game, or games like today where Parkey misses four kicks, the longest one only being a 41-yarder, the Bears are making tons of mistakes every single game, and they're just fighting through them. Thankfully, that's the mark of a talented young team. So on one hand, that's pretty good, right? Well, it's pretty much where we expected them to be. The problem is that this team is about to hit some really, really tough opponents. First, we start things out with the absolutely critical face down with the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday night, followed by just about the shortest turnaround allowable in the NFL, where we face the Lions 11 a.m. that next Thursday with the Rams and the Packers looming afterwards, not counting the Giants because we're not going to count them. These Bears are going to need to grow up, and they're going to need to grow up pretty quick if they want to compete. There's really no two ways about it. Thankfully, many of the Bears' mistakes haven't actually cost them games, and so they still sit with a nice-looking record at 6-3. and three. That's great, because obviously every win matters when it comes to the postseason. Also, don't look now, but this is the Bears' best record since they were 7-2 and two in 2012. From that perspective... This season's been pretty great so far. But let's talk about the game coming up. Next up, the Bears, as has been mentioned many times, play the Vikings, coming off a bye. And this is an absolutely monumental task for this young Chicago team. If we're strictly evaluating team talent, I think the Vikings should win. But I imagine it'll be close. Adam Thielen is having an absolutely unreal season, and Stephon Diggs will be a huge task for Prince of Mukamura. Plus, Dalvin Cook's return means that the Bears' medal is going to be truly tested against one of the best offenses in the NFL. The only weakness that I see that's exploitable is a suspect offensive line from the Vikings. So we'll have to see whether Khalil Mack can make Dr. Jekyll take the field rather than the Mr. Hyde that we've seen without him on there. Obviously, this game is going to be a huge test for Mitch in the offense, as the Vikings' defense is stacked with quality players. This is more or less the same defense that dominated the league en masse last season, so it's going to be interesting to see whether the Young Bears' offense ends up getting swallowed whole or whether they put up a fight. Regardless, you can be certain that Trubisky's ability to read the field and his accuracy, as well as his recognition, is going to be tested all night long. When it comes to this game, though, there's one X factor that ultimately I keep going back to that I think is going to be the deciding factor between whether the Bears win or whether they lose, and that's Kirk Cousins. 
after signing an absolutely monstrous deal in the offseason, Kirk's been pretty much everything the Vikings had hoped he'd be. Really good, to the tune of 102.2 QBR on the year. But those who have followed Cousins over the years have probably noticed something. He's got a bad habit of throwing that Romo-esque, high-profile, game-losing interception in big games, especially games related to the playoffs. The Kirk Cousins I've seen is a dynamo during the regular season. And then, when things start to close, he just gets bad. I don't know. I mean, uh, the one that certainly has burned into my brain is that 2017 interception that he threw against the Giants. I know the league isn't ultimately fair to quarterbacks, especially starting quarterbacks, but there's not a whole lot of bigger mistakes that you can make on a field than throwing a game-losing interception with the playoffs and therefore your season on the line. That said, it's pretty obvious where my bias lies when it comes to Kirk Cousins, so I decided to go take a look at his situational statistics at NFL.com, and I noticed a trend. He actually seems to struggle most in close games. Now, I have to admit, some of this struggling that I'm talking about involves his QBR dipping from around 106 when tied to a 93 and a 95 when ahead by 1 through 8 points, respectively. But in 2017, he showed a 75.1 QBR when behind by between 1 and 8 points, and his play would also dip when he went from tied to winning, going from an absolutely astonishing 123.1 QBR to a 99.1. None of this is to suggest that Kirk Cousins is a bad quarterback. Obviously, he's going to be a huge test for the Bears on Sunday night, but I do believe that if the Bears can keep things close, Kirk may just give them a chance late in the game. One more situational tidbit, he is killing it on the road and on grass fields this year. We're talking a quarterback rating in the 110s, so I'm really, really curious to see how he plays. Ultimately, I think that special teams is going to be absolutely critical for the Bears, considering how bad it's gotten. Guys, you don't miss four kicks in the NFL. You just don't. With that said, Cody Parkey's contract makes it very, 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 very hard to do anything other than make him play through it. I'm also absolutely astonished at the Bears' inability to recover that onside kick. From what I could tell, it looked like everybody blocked right like they should have, and the guy who's supposed to recover the ball just sat there and waited for it. And lo and behold, a Lions player ran up, nudged the ball forward, and actually took control of his own destiny. Good for you, Lions player. Bad for us. Look. Let's be honest, the Bears special teams have been downright bad this year, but we're going to need them to find a way to pick it up, considering this absolutely critical stretch of season that we're about to enter. If they don't play at a high level, if we don't have all three phases firing, we're going to lose some games that we absolutely need to win. All in all, the stage is set for a big-time Sunday night tilt, where we're going to get the chance to see what these Bears are, who are the Vikings, and which team is likely to reign supreme in the NFC North. Now before we sign off, let's get into some rapid reactions around the NFL. First of all, in last night's Sunday night game, of course the Cowboys, on a short week, on the road, in rival Philadelphia, managed to come up with a 27-20 victory. I don't know how they do it. The Cowboys managed to defy my expectations, both in the positive and the negative, but having been somebody 
at Monday night's uh, Tennessee-Dallas game, I can tell you that seeing this scoreline surprised me more than just about any on the day. So this shocked me. I'm curious to see what it means going forward. I still personally don't think Dak is the guy, and I don't really know what's going on in Philly, but it's something interesting to watch. The New Orleans Saints went to Cincinnati and absolutely annihilated the Bengals. The Bengals had been looking pretty solid at a record of 5-3 and three at the time, but they just got wasted by a New Orleans Saints team that is absolutely unstoppable right now. It was 7-7 to seven at one point, and the score was just gone from there. The, they opened the floodgates, and they absolutely drowned the Bengals. Wow, what a game by Drew Brees. Moving on, we had the Falcons lose in surprising fashion in Cleveland as Baker Mayfield lit up the day, but even shinier than Mayfield was Nick Chubb. With 176 yards on the ground, a touchdown, and a touchdown receiving, this guy absolutely nailed it for my personal fantasy team, and he took the win home for the Browns practically by himself. Ultimately, this looked like a game where the Falcons didn't quite know how to finish it, turning the ball over on downs in the late fourth quarter and then fumbling with the last drive of the game. Certainly a big win for Cleveland, an even bigger loss for Atlanta, as that likely puts their season away. After that, we had a battle of the 3-5 and five teams and the Jaguars and the Colts going head-to-head -head in a very, very, very close game. We saw the much more optimistic franchise at the moment, the Indianapolis Colts, edge out the Jaguars. That Blake Bortles extension is just not looking very great right now, but Andrew Luck looks like the guy we always thought he would be. It'll be really interesting to see how Leonard Fournette continues to transition into the league. The Colts' defense was not exactly known for being stout against the run, but that didn't stop Fournette from only managing to turn in about 53 yards. Who knows whether the Jags will ever manage to turn it around, but about 3-6 and six so far this season, I tend to think this year might very well be over. In one of the more surprising scorelines of the day, Kansas City managed to not light the scoreboard totally on fire against the Arizona Cardinals at home, winning 14-26. to Not a whole lot to say. Josh Rosen had another welcome to the NFL rookie kind of game with 200 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions. David Johnson looked like his old self, and the Chiefs just sort of took care of business. Very reminiscent of the Bears' win against the Jets. The better team won. They won handily, even though the scoreline didn't show it. The Titans continued to surprise the world as they beat the Patriots 10-34 at home. It didn't take much for Mariota, only needing 228 yards and two scores to beat the Pats, so it's really interesting to see games like this happen. New England has a bad habit of laying eggs in the regular season, but while I call it a bad habit, it seems to work out for them in the long term. So I tend to think that we can't draw much from this in terms of grading out New England. They just do this sometimes. Either way, kudos to Tennessee and tighten up. Fitzmagic and the Bucks then fall 3-16 to at home to the Washington Redskins as he manages a three-turnover game with 406 yards. I guess at the end of the day, scoring is what matters, so this one's going to go down as a loss with Ryan Fitzpatrick squarely at the helm of it. The Buccaneers look like kind of a tire fire at 3-6, and six, all three of those wins coming early in the year. This is getting bad. On the other hand, you've got another capable team led by Alex Smith. This is starting to become a no-surprise sort of gig. Alex Smith led the 49ers. They did well. He then led the Chiefs. They did well. Now he's on the Redskins, and they're doing well. Don't look now, folks, but Alex Smith is a pretty solid quarterback. 
Next up, we had the battle of former Bears with Buffalo taking on the New York Jets as Matt Barkley went head-to-head with Josh McCown to let us know which former Bear backup is the best former Bear backup. And we got a pretty strong answer. It's Matt Barkley leading the Bills to their highest offensive output all year with 41 points on the road against the Jets. McCown and the Jets managed to really not do a lot, but it's always great to see Matt Barkley find success, especially after his kind of magical run with Chicago a couple years back. Proud of you, bud. The Chargers then beat the Raiders 20-6, and there's not a whole lot to say here. The Raiders are what they look like, a team that's 1-8. They aren't good, and they're trading away all their players. Derek Carr always has looked to me like a pretty solid quarterback. I don't think his amazing run before he got hurt a couple of years ago was an accident, but right now he's got absolutely nobody, and that includes Doug Martin, who isn't anybody. The better team won, and they won fairly handily, two touchdowns, and not a whole lot of fireworks outside of that. Miami then went to Green Bay, and they lost, and they lost pretty bad. This continues to remind Bears fans that losing to Miami at home wasn't a quality loss. It was, in fact, not a good loss at all. But, anyways, the Packers are sitting at 4-4-1. Miami's at 5-5. If the Packers lose one more game, things get really dicey. They do not have a whole lot of wiggle room. The North's up for grabs, and it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. And then, in Sunday's final game, the Rams continued their general march towards dominance over the Seahawks, who fought hard, losing 31-36. to Isn't it impressive how ultimately, even as the Rams' defense has absolutely gotten just washed around over the last couple weeks, giving up a bunch of points to a gimpy Aaron Rodgers, get, er, giving up a ton of points to the Saints, and now 31 to a limping Seahawks team, It always ends up being the defense that needs to come up in the clutch late for the Rams. They did it this time against a pretty good quarterback in Russell Wilson. This team looks like a winner, so do the Seahawks, but at 4-5, and I don't really know where they're going to go in terms of their division. The Rams look like they're poised for a big playoff run. I know there's a lot of expectations on them. I'm very curious to see how they handle it. And that's going to wrap up the show, folks. I'm Robert Schmitz, and as always, thank you for bearing with me. 